Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My favorite small business is the combo KFC Pizza Hut. <laughs> just two-in-one. You know they're struggling to get by. Yeah. Love to go in and support a small business. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to The Crunch. I don't have a bit. It's your boy, Ethan. <laughs> and I'm Patrick. <laughs> That's all right. We could just leave that in. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that forgets its own bits. That is true, though. Mm-hmm. That is this podcast. We've started and lost so many jokes over the years. I don't remember that one time we used to do the hot take time. That, not the hot, sorry. The, the monthly mailbag every week, every month. Monthly mailbag every month for the past four years. We did have a... Verify 2020 is officially over. Can't believe that. Wow, I can't we, believe that we didn't get any votes. We didn't get any year. votes? They, we we <laughs> lost all of our electoral seats to Jill Stein, and uh, yeah. <laughs> we Verify 2020 um, just didn't happen. Yeah, COVID we, got in we, the way. That's what it was. I know we ran out of steam because. Do you see what happens? We don't verify us on Twitter. Yeah, Jack. Jack, a pandemic. this is what happens. A pandemic, a pandemic happens. A pandemic and a f- and a four month long election. Yeah, this I don't think it's ever going to end. It's never going to end. I, it's I, never going to end. I had the I, I downloaded the CNN and the Fox News app to be balanced. Yeah, and I, um, I had the I had the you. I had the notifications on for any like major developments in the in the <laughs> electoral college, and uh, I got a notification from CNN that said. Nevada says it could still be a couple of days, and I was like, you know what, screw this. And I just deleted both. I'm like, I'm not. I don't care anymore. I'm not paying attention. I had the best election day of all time. Is that so? Yes, because I blocked all the news. Yeah. On my laptop. Mm-hmm. All the news on my phone. I unsubscribed from the New York Times email that I <laughs> got daily, and I didn't know anything about it until I looked at the electoral electoral college votes before I went to bed on tuesday mm-hmm. and i looked at him again on wednesday morning and i said oh we're in for a ride uh and i haven't yeah. looked i just don't look it's amazing it's the best well if you'll recall we're, we're in a pretty privileged position here true because we have had short elections every year for the past three elections are you saying but privilege in- as it relates to other countries no, 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 no. Privileged. We've, we've been in a privileged point up until now. Mm. In our memory, the last right. three elections that we even kind of remember are sure. Trump and Hillary and then Obama, Obama. <laughs> right. And those I elections. remember Bush. Bush in 04. Well, yeah, but we, we weren't like paying attention to the election. I night. voted in that election. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just admit on a podcast to committing voter fraud? <laughs> No, but, we had a we had a thing in our second grade yeah, class. We had a thing in class, yeah. <laughs> I was one of the eight kids that voted for the Democratic candidate. Uh-huh. Because I thought he was going to lower the taxes, and then all the kids bullied me because they said he's not going to lower taxes. He's just saying that to get you to vote for him. And then they said, "George Bush rules." And I was like, "Okay." 
Okay. I didn't know anything. I don't understand. Man, they really start them young in Kansas. They they really do. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, your candidate's just lying. Unlike our candidate, who Again, always, tells, always the tells the truth. Every <laughs> our candidate, the one that I like, always does what he wants. What he yes. says. He's but, and he's very strong and very powerful, <laughs> and, I, and I love him. And he's also the Messiah. So Have you um, seen my body pillow. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. George Bush is my waifu. This is. <laughs> That's what the W stands for. <laughs> I don't even remember what serious point I was making, but someone, either, someone, sorry. someone on the news brought up that like that <laughs> that the the Romney the Romney Obama the 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 Obromney election. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Yeah, at nine p.m. <laughs> Eastern time, they knew that Obama won. Well, and yeah, that's because Obama won every single state except for Texas. Yeah, he he like landslide. And yeah, then it was crazy. Then election night four years ago, Hillary Clinton conceded early. And right. so it ended on election night. But mm-hmm. that's not how elections have always worked, especially not in the past. For some reason. Yeah. Bush Gore. Exactly. And that was 10 years ago, right? That was in 2000. That was yeah. 20 years ago, brother. 20 years ago. Sorry. I'm still living in the tens. Yeah. So. So, yes. That's my point is that this could go on forever. I thought you were going to make the point of. You're such a white privileged man. You don't have to worry. You have the privilege of not worrying about the elections. And I was about to be like, me not paying attention until the vote is actually done does not mean that I'm privileged. But I understand now what your point is. Oh, yeah. Not paying attention to the election is purely for sanity reasons. It's like there, it's like how I stopped paying attention to COVID news for sanity reasons. There are some students here um, <laughs> who they're talking about how like, they can get extensions on their classwork and all those things because of election stress. And I'm like, how can you have election stress? Just turn the news off. Just shut off your phone. Like, <laughs> that's, like that, that's like that Tyler, the creator tweet. How yeah. could there be cyberbullying? Cyberbullying. Just close, Just close your, your laptop. Eyes. <laughs> Just close your eyes. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. It's like, how can you be stressed out about this thing that you, nobody's forcing you to be paying attention to, you know? Uh, but, it's they're handing out goodie bags, stress self care bags to make sure that people are doing self care, mm-hmm. and also they ask you first if you voted for Biden, and then they give you the bag. Then they give you a bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you kidding? No. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be a, surprised though. You believe me for a second though, didn't I you? I did, but also that's like a violation of, <laughs> of your rights. You know. Not really. No, it is. How so? What you, right? You can't. You can't force someone to tell. Yeah, you can't force someone to tell you who they voted for. Yeah, that was a, that was an oppre- that was a voter suppression tactic used in the in the South to rep- the, to oppress the black vote. Interesting history, baby. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about history, baby. Other than that, uh, how's it been going? What you got going on? It's pretty good. There? I recently I recently stumbled across Aaron Carter's Spotify, and I want to talk about that real quick. All right, let me let me pull that up. His most popular song is a is a is a cover of "I Want Candy" by several yeah. people. I, I don't I don't I actually looked it up. Uh, I don't know the artist that made it, but Aaron Carter made an "I Want Candy" song. He also made a song called "That's How I Beat Shaq." Yes, have you never heard that song? No, I did today. It's awful. It's it's it was it was the best at the time because it's how he beat Shaq. That's I I simply don't believe that it was the best at the time because it could not have possibly been the best ever. Was there no other music then? Aaron Carter was in this weird, he came like six years too early. 
You think you so? Know? I, yes. I, I I seem like the way I remember the, he him. He was the proto Bieber. The proto Bieber, exactly what I was gonna say. I remember him as being very Bieberish, but only retroactively, in, in the sense that all of the young men around me hated him, and all of the young women loved him. Yes, but it's interesting now because sometimes I'll play uh, Aaron's party. Um, which Co- is just parentheses, a, come and get it. Come and get it, yes. <laughs> um, at my parties and stuff, because yeah. that's just a song that I know because it was it was a hit when I was like seven. Yeah. Like I'm familiar with it. And then I play it for these kids that are like 20 years old now, you mm-hmm. know? And they're like, what is this? And it just, it just doesn't, but if you play Baby by by bieber everyone knows baby so it's just like justin was able to endure for a bit longer and i don't know what the i don't know what the difference is probably the internet youtube probably i think i think justin bieber is legitimately talented i think aaron carter was nick carter's little brother (laughs) wait who's nick carter uh nsync or sorry backstreet boys what's the difference yeah yeah yeah, and so I I, I also I also listened to this one song. So I I tried to, I tried to like I tried to like hop through his anthology because I knew it would make a good bit. Anthology, discography, discography. Sorry. Anthology <laughs> is for writers. Yeah, uh, through his discography, and and uh, I happened upon a song called "My Internet Girlfriend," which oh. I thought was just such a it was that was a title before its time. Like that 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 was a title that would have garnered clicks today. My internet girlfriend (parentheses this Catholic girl). <laughs> Like that 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 song should have been, you know that that was like that was like catfishing a proto catfish, right? But anyway, the you know how you know how young artists don't write their music. Yes, and Aaron Carter at the time was probably like ten. I'd imagine was he was he literate? Is the question the 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 op- the first verse all that I listened to of my internet girlfriend? He is singing about how he can't wait to get home to her. Yeah, mm. they haven't they haven't yet they haven't yet hit the fact that it's an internet girlfriend. But he's like, Oh, I can't wait to get home to you. I'm we're we're gonna go into my bedroom, I'm gonna close the door, right? Uh, I'm gonna turn you on uh, my internet girlfriend. And I'm uh, like, A grown man wrote, wrote that, that song. You know it was a grown man. Wrote that song. <laughs> For a twelve year old. For boy. a twelve year old. I don't understand. And I have the same opinion. At, about that as every other uh minor who sings about sex it's whether or not that person or someone around them wrote that song and they approved it a record label should say you know you're 17 billy eilish you can't talk about giving oral sex to a man a yeah grown man you this can't is a sing about that. podcast oh yeah sorry uh, we can't say that you can just bleep no, it's it out okay. yeah it's all right we can leave it in people need cool. to know People need to know. I don't know. I don't know what miners are doing singing about sex. They should be singing about coal and steel. <laughs> what? Miners. <laughs> miners. That was really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, who's Can coal? You- <laughs> <laughs> they should be singing about Dylan and Cole Sprouse. <laughs> we love Sweet Life on deck on this podcast. <laughs> Dylan and Cole Sprouse, but Cole is literally just a lump of coal, just and Dylan thinks coal. he has a twin brother. <laughs> this is my twin brother, Cole. I live in a hotel. <laughs> it's just an abandoned building. The mm. one episode where they were on the 13th floor. Hey, I, f- I found out the other day I was watching a document. No, it wasn't a documentary. It was a YouTube video about the Disney Channel games, and I didn't realize that the guy who played Arwen, his name is Brian Stepanek. Oh. Is he related to Joel? Probably not. 
I don't know. We're the we're gonna have to. If, we're gonna have if to... Joel was related to the guy pulling in Arwen levels of money, he probably <laughs> wouldn't go into the Catholic speaking circuit. As, uh, as a, I don't, as a way I to don't, I think you grossly overestimate how much money Disney Channel actors make. I think you grossly underestimate. You've how seen valuable, the budget of those shows, right? How valuable Arwen was to the Disney Channel brand. They could not afford to lose him. And There's it wasn't a Mickey until Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Arwen, Arwen. The Little Mermaid. Goofy. Okay. Who is the most profitable Disney character? Absolutely, it's Mickey Mouse. Well, but after that. Oh, after that? Yeah. I don't don't know. It's probably like Olaf. Yeah. That guy was, that character was made to be a stuffed animal. He was. And he, oh, he was. He is. Yeah. And is yet to come. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Olaf is, 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 has always been. Yeah, that's terrifying. I'm reading this book about Pixar. Yeah. I'm actually, I don't know, but depending on what our topic is today, I might throw in some Pixar book knowledge mm-hmm. uh, in the topic. But if, and if it doesn't come up, then I'll make it a topic next week. But I'm excited to share about it because it's, it's way better than pretty much every other like leadership businessy type book that I've ever read. Really? What's so, it called? It's called Creativity Inc. I think you'd really enjoy it. I'm right. I'm writing that title down. This is good. It's a lot of dead air. It's by one of the the guys, one of the three guys that basically were the the head men of uh, Pixar in its early days. The headman. The headman. I don't know his name because he writes from a first person perspective, and so he just refers to himself as me. Me. And so I and I didn't read the cover page, so like I don't know his name. Uh, but it's like him, you John Lasseter. Like look at the author. Oh, okay. And Steve Jobs were the Steve Jobs big into Pixar. Really. Mm-hmm. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. Okay, so Pixar was originally like a digital imaging machine company. Uh-huh. Like they they were trying to sell the Pixar machine to like medical companies to do imaging, governments, those kinds of things. Um, and they needed uh, an investor. So they went to all these investors. Steve Jobs ended up being their investor because he got kicked out of uh, Apple because they didn't like him. He wanted to use them to start his new personal computing business, and they were like, no, we're not going to do that. So he's like, I'm not going to buy you. But he came back and met them again and was like, I'm actually really interested in what you're doing, like making digital animated pictures, basically. So he gave them a ton of money, and then they stopped being a machine-selling company, and they started making movies, and they made they got like nominated for Oscars with like Tin Toy and the Lamp Short. Uh, and then and then they made Toy Story, and then it just blew up, and then they were a number one hit, and it's just crazy. So without Steve Jobs, there would be no Pixar. A lot of people don't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Without Steve the, Jobs, there he, would be he no was Jobs. The business, he was the business force that got them to the table with the with Disney. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, you want to go to the hot take time machine? Sure. All right, cool. Ugh. Ugh. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine. The Hot Take Time Machine is the part of the show where we take a deep dive in, unlike, you can't do that in a hot tub, so I guess that metaphor kind of doesn't follow, but it's when we go back in time to the prime of our social media posting lives. If you have a hot take that's five years or older, why don't you send it our way? If it's something that makes you cringe, it's something that's going to make everybody else laugh. Ethan, do you have a hot take for us? What if you had a hot tub that was 10 feet deep? And you could just... <laughs> that's a hot cylinder, up. okay? A, you just would... What if people would die probably if they were that big? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, scary stuff. But I just like the image of it being next to your house and it's just this 
<laughs> it looks like a grain <laughs> silo, <laughs> but it's a hot tub. All right. I've got some tweets from 2013. We got a shot and a chaser. Okay. Okay. These are November 18th, 2013. <laughs> it says, it's from Apropostle. It says, guys, colon, leave no doubt in girls' minds that chivalry is alive and well. Oh, jeez. And then right after, girls, colon, let the guys be chivalrous to you. Both of them had one retweet and one like. <laughs> let me be chivalrous to you. I'm trying to chivalry you. The problem with chivalry is that women won't let us do it. That's the yeah, problem, right? That's the it's problem. The women, it's the women's fault. Yeah, chivalry chivalry takes. Uh, it, I, I I went to a Boy Scout camp out. It was a day. It was a Boy Scout day camp, and we did it. Like it was like it was in the local park. I mean, it went yeah. five five days out of the week, so it went like the whole week. And the theme of the camp out was the chivalry. Was knights, and so we had oh. a chivalry thing. And that's cool. Yeah, and and there was sword fighting. We had a sword fighting thing, and we. Uh, me and my friend Matthew, we fought with swords on these little stump things, and the goal of the the goal of the stumps were next to each other, and the goal was to knock your friend off the stump right. with like like wipeout. Sure, exactly. And I got him real good, and I won a long fought battle because we were both thick boys, and so uh-huh. we had a low center of gravity. And I knocked him off, and I remember going, "Yeah, let's go!" And then I got my points taken away because that wasn't chivalrous. What? I know. I was like, I don't think you guys know what chivalry is. Back in the day, if you killed a guy, you got to take everything he was wearing. <laughs> and his wife. And his wife. That's, that's and you true. just, as, well, his horse, if it was still alive. Interesting thing. I was just talking to somebody about swords as a, as a yeah. concept, right? We don't like the gun because no. the gun is designed for the mass killing of other people, right? It's designed for efficient killing, yeah. Efficient killing, which it's not great. You know, we, no. we don't, overall, you don't want that. Um, but sometimes you got to fight in just wars where the other side has guns. And so you got to have guns and that's just, that's just how it is. Cause even though the sword is a more just weapon than the gun, you can't be sending in the American troops against the Nazis with swords, right? Mm-hmm. They would be, it would be very bad. But this, this is why weapons like, development is such a, is such a, a catch 22 because it is you once you create a, a more efficient weapon everyone else is going to want to create it too so they and now they kind of have to in case you become an aggressor right it's scary but the idea with swords is you have to be up close you got to really put it into that guy's belly meat you know to like kill him and you have to look at him yeah and then you have to pull it out to like kill another guy and then you're like ooh i got guts on my sword do i really want to kill another guy yeah, that's like that's like that's like a recipe for infection. Ba- battles lasted for like four minutes back in the day because they would kill one guy and they'd be like, "Ugh, Ugh I feel bad." Gross. You guys want to you guys want to break for lunch? Can we come back later? <laughs> Just was and I'm was not going to be able to eat for another four hours, so lunch is right. going to be at six. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're you're definitely right. I, I I was listening to a lot of hardcore history, and I was also reading a Ooh. lot about the the uh, the Peloponnesian War, which is everybody's favorite war. Yeah, and he was talking about. He was like, if you, if you went back in time, if you went back in time mm-hmm. to watch the Peloponnesian War, uh-huh. it's my Dan Carlin impression. That's pretty good. It was pretty spot on. So yeah. if you went back in time to watch the Peloponnesian War, you'd just sit on a field, right, and you'd look out, and it would, it would just be completely different 
than wars now. They're yeah. they're moving in formation. They're you know they're they're spearing each other right, and it took a lot of time. And it's funny how we look back. It's our it's our historical fallacy. It's our historical arrogance. We look back and we're like, wow, those Ugh. those people back barbarians. then, barbarians. I can't believe they would stick swords in each other. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, I really hope my candidate uh, upholds abortion in this country. Uh, you know, it's it's as long as as long as we the still, killing is remote. We still have all the nukes, right? We still, we still have all the nukes. nukes? Okay, we still cool, have all cool, the nukes. Cool. Great. Yeah, keep the. Nukes I'm gonna up. go ahead and write an op-ed about how Harry Truman made a really good decision in dropping the bomb and killing all those people. Yeah. You know that biographer you love so much, George Which Weigel. One? Oh yeah. Yeah, he wrote an he wrote an op-ed in First Things magazine about how I'm not canceling him, but he wrote an article about how Truman made a really good decision dropping That's the bomb. That's tough. On. That's tough. Yeah. Because he's right about so many things, and then. Yeah. He's wrong about that thing. I know if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the biographer of John Paul II, the guy who wrote Veritatis Splendor, you should at least you know read Veritatis Splendor. I feel like hard. if you talk to John Paul II at any point, you'd be like, "What did you think of the bomb?" And JP two was like, "No, no, no, no. bomb." Young people, people, young people, no bomb, no bomb, bomb. And then George Weigel was like, "Ah, what? I can't hear you. Oh, I'm, no. gonna, I'm gonna write an op-ed know. in 20 years." I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think my conservative readers are gonna like that very much. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. There we go. That's 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 my sword and nuclear bomb take. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I think it also levels the playing field because you can't like you, you had to get the drop on somebody with a sword. And at that point, it's kind of their fault. Like it's not their fault, but it's also well, their can we fault. Just, can we just talk about how the uh, the title of the first things op-ed is Truman's Terrible Choice by George Weigel? I like that title, and here's why: because it can be read in two different ways. It can yeah. be read as he had a terrible choice he had to make, but he made the best one, or sure. it could be he made a terrible choice. So I've done I've done Control F. It was the right thing to do. Oh, it does. It literally says at the bottom, it was the correct choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's not I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not reading it wrong. Yeah. No. Okay. Dang. I was doing that as a bit, but like it, he straight up just says it was the right thing to do. It was do. the right choice. Yeah, well, the, George the, Michael, that's not right, dude. Yeah. It's not right. It's, 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 it's not the take we like. Um, yeah. The, the, the problem is if you, if you, he's not wrong if you grant that total the 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 uh the choice of the allies to demand unconditional surrender of the japanese led to well if we're going to demand unconditional surrender we have to do something drastic to make to force them into that position to to accept it Mm. so we only have three so given that we have three choices but the the fourth choice was don't demand unconditional surrender right that was the fourth choice say hey if you if you grant the like you know that's what diplomacy is for. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know the intricacies of 1945 politics, but Truman no, did. I don't either. But here's the thing, right? Everyone's like, "Oh, they just would have been fighting island to island, and all these people would have died, and they would have fought to the very last person because the Japanese had the bushido ethic." Like, whatever. There's a lot of just to be said about that. But what if America was like, "What if we're gonna stop fighting on your islands? We're gonna take all of our troops. We're just gonna sit in California." And if you want to come and take our country, you can. Like, why did we have to keep going? You know? Like, why because could we, we demand Because we demanded unconditional surrender. That's so silly. That doesn't make any sense. In hindsight. It's but because it's because it's because our country was not run by people perfectly formed in the virtue of justice. I know. 
because once they got once you once once someone who's not just gets the taste of blood, they want to go at they want to go for vengeance. Just line up all the ships around California, put all the troops on the shore, give them little guns, and then just be like, "All right, Japanese, Japan, if you want to come, come on down, come and take them." Right, and then they wouldn't be able to because they'd be like, "Oh, yeah. it's really far. It's across a whole ocean. I think I'm going to be done with the war now." <laughs> I think I'm going to stop the war now. At least that's how it works in Civilization Five. Anyway, I would yeah. like to hear your hot take. <laughs> so my hot take actually comes to us from Danielle. Shout out Danielle. Uh, she says, Ethan and Patrick, I have not had social media long enough to have made a post which qualifies for the hot take time machine. So this hot take comes from a journal I made on a November 4- 2014 trip to Washington, D.C. Okay, so I have a picture of it. This is a very young listener. She's okay. probably... Six at six to eight years old, and this is in 2014. So she's she's still in high school. Okay. So this is a 2014 trip to Washington D.C. when she was nine years old. Okay, I didn't read the rest of the message. Yeah, if you could just. I wrote great. I wrote quote, the Civil War was about states trying to leave, but Lincoln made it about slavery in the middle. What a take. I included an image so you could see how horrible my handwriting was. I also had a picture. I also attached a picture that appears to be the Washington Monument blasting off into space like a rocket ship. What a thing to journal about as I know. a nine-year-old. When I was nine, I was like, oh, I really want an Xbox. Please, I really hope I get an Xbox. And then three months later, I'd write again, I got an Xbox. I wish I had this game. But she's like, <laughs> It was about rights. states rats. It was about states rats. That's how you say. That's how you say rights if you're from the south. It's rats. Lincoln was the one that made it about slavery for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's a hot take if I ever heard one. That's like that's when, like a deep Twitter hot take. You remember when Trump said that he'd done more for for Black Americans than any president, and then denied the, it five minutes later, with the possible <laughs> exception of Abraham Lincoln. And he got so confused. He was like, "I'm not Abraham Lincoln. No, 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 no. I was I was making a joke. No, I'm 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 Donald I'm Donald Trump. Right. I'm not." Hi, Ben Lincoln. <laughs> it was a very funny, like, both of them being incredibly senile, like Joe, yes. not enough to land a joke, and Trump just not understanding, and there's the, the, so the 30, 40-year-old moderator was like, guys, can we... Can we just move on, please? Can we, I'm going to mute both of your mics. I yeah. don't... <laughs> I think it's it's just the hot lights will get to you, and you're sweating, mm-hmm. and just... Yeah. Anybody at that age, you got to stand for a long time. They and probably are the They're probably not... On. They're probably not used to standing for that long. I know. This, they had this one time, of those. They had one of those sit those sit sticks where you, you, st- you shove it up your pant legs and you kind of like lean your butt on it. Is that true? I don't know if those exist, but I guarantee it. All politicians are puppets, anyway. That's my opinion. That's pretty good. Thanks. That's a good hot take. We're gonna rewind. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty years when Patrick runs for office. <laughs> oh my gosh! I feel like if I run for office, this po- this podcast is gonna throw it back. Someone's gonna find this podcast and throw it in my face. I would delete it for you. I'd keep all the files locally. So that uh-huh. I could give them to the Vatican when your cause for canonization is being <laughs> investigated. <laughs> and then that's what's going to do me in. <laughs> yeah. But but nobody nobody else is going to be able to see these files. Patrick said, what about a Kraken? All right. <laughs> <laughs> deep gut. <laughs> that is very deep. What um, You say that it's uh, topic time. It is topic and time. It makes me very glad because yesterday I was feeling super under the weather. So I slept for like 11 hours. That's and it was awesome. amazing. Today I'm feeling much better, but I had to do all the things that I didn't do yesterday, so I had no time to really think and prepare for this podcast. And now you're coming in, you're saying to me, hey, I've got a topic, and I'm saying, yes. Great. Hey, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it. I was listening. I was listening to a uh, a podcast recently. Oh. I decided to listen to other podcasts, which is something I would never do. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. Only bad idea. only our podcast should be listened to. By the way, if you have other podcasts in your podcast app right now, just go ahead and delete all of them except for ours. So I was listening to another podcast, and they the hosts were saying, you know, a lot of stuff is going on in the world right now. Not just the world, but the it's the election. They're, they're, they're so every, the election is getting everybody down, and we're not going to talk about the election. We're going to have just a classic, a classic podcast that we do, you know. And we're just we're just going to goof because you know sometimes you need some, you need some some peace or whatever. And I was like, you know what? That's that's a good sentiment. I appreciate that sentiment. I'm tired of saying I'm not going to talk about politics. Oh, Patrick, listen. All we've talked about for the past four weeks is politics. Yes, but this is different. So I want to qualify this. I was thinking about this on my walk today. I I think talking about politics, there's a G.K. Chesterton quote that I used to hate with all my with all my might because it just sounded so pretentious. People these days say that they don't want they want to talk about anything except for religion and politics, but I can't find anything else that's worth talking about. Um, and I was like, okay, Chesterton, that's fine, I guess. Like, religion is really important. But, oh my gosh, I want to stop talking about politics. And the reason yes. I wanted to do that was because my friend, a friend of mine in high school, he would only ever talk to me about politics. And, of course, I would get angry and defend it because I didn't know how to, like, you know, temper myself. But now when I talk about politics, I'm not talking about political parties. I think it's really important for us as young people to step back out of the political conversation, the political circus, and talk about structurally why why is our country going the way that it's going? Because if we if we step outside of the political conversation, we'll notice the big problem. And the big problem is what I want to talk about, not politics. So don't worry. The big problem that I see, Ethan's like, hell. The big problem is centralization. And centralization, for those who don't know, is when it's it's the opposite of the of the catholic social principle of subsidiarity which means you know letting letting lower order societies like families cities states handle their own government and putting everything on the national national stage and i feel like our government used to have an idea of subsidiarity and that's why we have the electoral college in the first place is because it's really the state's job to elect the president because the president is supposed to look out for the interest of the 50 states not the 300 million people but because we are centralizing power the elect the electoral college is just insane to us it's like well the american people want this president so why isn't this president president why isn't this person president and it's because we we have we've not only our government and and large companies have not only centralized power for themselves we've let them 
And so I think it's important for us to find a way to reclaim some of the power that we've lost on our basic scale. Why? Why is it time for us to reclaim the power that we've lost? Yeah, I mean, I don't want any more power. I've got enough going on. I'm busy. It's not, it's not power in the sense that you, it's, it's, we need to take ownership of what's ours and we have the right to govern certain things. We, we, we have the right to not be dependent on Walmart to eat. Yes. Yeah. So you're saying by planting a garden, we're taking the power back. I think so. Is that what you're getting at? Is that what you want? That's not the only thing. What, what, okay. So besides, uh, having food, so like having chickens, in your backyard, mm-hmm. planting a yeah. garden, those kinds of things. What are the other ways that we can take power away from these centralized institutions? I think focusing on, I think that the reason why these organizations are falling apart, why these structures are falling apart is because the people that lead them aren't just. Which structures are falling the apart? Federal, the federal government and large companies. Is the federal government falling apart? In our so large not, com- like, I don't not, feel like not Amazon the, not the federal... is really hurting right now. You know? Okay, sorry. By falling apart, I mean morally falling apart. Oh. These things are getting further and further from... God's light. God's light. The light of God, yeah. <laughs> and the reason is because the men and women who run these organizations, these structures that are necessary at this point for our society to continue, have not been formed in justice. And so... I want to talk about how we, so the the state's, part of the state's job is not only to protect our rights, but also to encourage us and, and allow us to do our duty, right? Our, what, what, we were, what we were supposed to do. So the state is supposed to allow us to pursue the common good and we can't do that if the state limits us, right? And we also can't do that if we don't know what it is. And so part of mm-hmm. the job of the, of, the, of the society, of the social whole, not just the state, but the social whole, which is not only the state, not the national government, but the, the state government, your local community, and your family, is to form you in justice of what does it mean to be a just person? What does it mean to act well and live well? And I think that, I think that younger people are tending more towards that style of of living we want to be free from large corporations yes selectively i mean there's lots of young people who are like i don't want amazon in my life but they have an iphone you know fair yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy anything from the meat industry but they bought levi jeans from old navy you know yeah like it's it's younger generations are maybe more aware but it's not to the point where it's going to inconvenience them I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody in America really, except for maybe a few are prepared to like make that sacrifice of, I'm going to give up my iPhone and my MacBook. I'm going to give up, I'm going to start making my own clothes and I'm going to start growing my own food so that I can have a proper sense of what is actually my right as a person living on this planet. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think we, we tend to limit things to material goods, but the common good isn't just about material goods sure so i think the the point is that when when we when we give the power of production to larger careful groups i know i know careful i know (laughs) 
I didn't I didn't say means for a I know reason. you did you did to large groups of people that this is this is one of the, this is one of the, the the funny things about about the um the capitalist communist dichotomy is that there's really no difference practically between communism and capitalism you're like in to, in terms you're gonna of, have in terms to of bust that one open for me yeah okay because Crack that nut for me when it historically speaking I Ideally speaking, in capitalism, everybody's a capitalist, and they're all looking out for their own economic interests. In communism, nobody's a capitalist, and the state owns the means of production, and then eventually the state withers away through a bloody revolution by the proletariat, right? Mm. But in practice, what we've seen is large communist governments end up the state, one guy owns everything, and then in a capitalist system, three guys own everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just there's not totalitarian, but anyway. Uh, that's beside the point is that I think I think we as Catholics need to understand the the limits of economic systems and not marry ourselves to one of them. That's kind of mm-hmm. my point mm-hmm. and understand that the real natural owners of private property is the families mm. the natural the natural owners of pri- like the the, the r- private property is not natural, but we have a natural right to it when we when something becomes our own we then have we then can say you can't take this from me so like but I think I think the the natural right of property goes first to a family. A family has you know the right to distribute goods within themselves the way they choose to do so. And I think the the more centralized goods get, the more we think that other goods that aren't material are also going to come from come from the centralized power so for instance we believe that all we we have we have acted practically that all goods come from amazon and walmart you know yes all good things flow from the great mount amazon and so we've all we we assume then that the only way to fix the problems with amazon is to like topple jeff bezos right or to tax him to death yes because Put we a think guillotine that, in his in his front lobby yeah we're just gonna louis the 13th him right yeah and so then we take the same idea with immaterial goods like virtue and we say, well, virtue then and justice then must come from the centralized power. And this is a very, this is a very like modern way of thinking of things. But I, I think, I think in order to reclaim, like we're, we're not going to violently reclaim the means of production, right? Like we that's might. not something that they, people might, I don't know. That's not something that's going to, that's not going to fix anything sure. because then few, Few people are still going to own the... Anyway, that's not the point. If families start to take ownership of immaterial goods, of creating immaterial goods, like creating virtue in their children, having children. Ooh, right? that's bold. I know. It's... I mean, it shouldn't be. I think we need to... I think we need to, we need to acknowledge the fact that the contraceptive mentality has seeped into the very water we drink and we all feel it. Well, yeah, well, it's turning the frogs gay. That's <laughs> we, we all know that there's chemicals in the water. We all know there's chemicals of, in the water that make because us want to wear control. condoms. Yeah. Um, I think there is a difference. I think there's, for the most part, I don't know, maybe it's just because these are the people I know, but everybody that I know that's a young, faithful, Catholic, or uh, Protestant Christian getting married and starting a family these days understand that virtue has to come from the family. They understand that they actually have to school their children in virtue. 
because they grew up in a culture where um like tv video games movies um public school all of those things were the things that gave them an education in virtue and a lot of people if they take their lives seriously if they take their faith lives seriously they have to root a lot of that stuff out and go through a pretty challenging purification of what's actually true and what's not true and what was coming from all the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network shows that I watched and what is actually coming from scripture, what's actually coming from the tradition of the church. So I think there's a small, but I think that that subset of people is like less than 1% of the people who are getting married and having kids these days. Yeah. And I, I also think the main problem is that those people don't know how to talk about why they act the way they do. Yeah. Those people, we don't have the, we don't have the vocabulary to talk about what is justice and what is virtue. We don't have the capacity to talk about what a human action is, what it means to, what it means to intend something good and what that means for your moral culpability, right? We don't have the ability to talk about what right and wrong even is. Um, We just use those words when things, when it benefits us. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have this vague notion that our political leader is supposed to be just, but we don't actually know what justice means, what it means to give people what their due is we don't know what people are owed we know what justice is not we can look at yes yeah yeah yeah. (gasps) sorry keep going keep going (sighs) okay that's exactly the right point that was very aggressive i'm sorry i was really excited because that's literally the thing that anscombe talks about in her book about uh book about justice she never mind i'm sorry that's okay patrick patrick almost leaped through his screen i was so excited Like we can you hit see, on something really important. Yeah. Yeah. We we see the the police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck and we can say that was not justice. Like yeah. that was that was a that was something that was other than justice. But if then you ask somebody, what would the just thing to do be to do in that situation? You'd get a lot of different answers. Right? Like mm-hmm. he should have or even like it, it just in the like the police with a young black men scenario that comes up a lot. He should have fired his gun into the sky. He should have tased him. He should have chased him down without a weapon. He should have let him go. He should have disarmed him with from the knife. Like there's lots of like people will just say, well, this would have been the more just thing. Right. But they don't know why it's the more just thing. They don't know what the point is of it all. Um, and you're right. It's like the contraception. It's the abortion culture. Kanye talks about that in his Joe Rogan interview. He talks about how like he doesn't even say abortion. He says the A word. Uh, because he th- he thinks that like abortion is so damaging to to families and so damaging mm-hmm. to the black culture um, specifically. I was just thinking about that because we were talking about abortion. But abortion is like this thing where it's like I I can just willingly devalue human life willy nilly all the time by taking this pill, having this rod inserted, by wearing this condom, by you know all of these things, and it creates a disconnect and so people struggle because they recognize a a disharmony in themselves and then they don't want to acknowledge it and so they refuse to whether consciously or subconsciously they're refusing to look more deeply at what justice is at what virtue is because that would mean that they have to change so for example there's a guy on my campus who my teammate's been working with i'm gonna try to speak very vaguely about this but he proposed the gospel to him and he was like, I, I want you to, to believe in the gospel. I want you to put Jesus at the center of your life. And this guy said, no, like now's not the time. Like I'd rather live how I'm living. 
come back later, you know. Um, Let me go bury my father. Exactly. But then he led a Bible study this week and they were talking about some things. And the guy who made this, who said that to, to Sam, like looks up to the sky as they're going through, it's like the, they're talking about in Genesis about like the human person, right? And like the realities of the human person and what that means about men and women and sexuality and all of these things. He just looks up at the sky and screams the F word. And Sam's like, what's up? And he goes, it's all starting to make sense. <laughs> but it's like he was frustrated, right? He was mm. being tortured at this idea that like everything he had believed up to this point is starting to be proven wrong. And so I think for the average Joe who's just seeing the things that are going on, right? They're like, I know that the police killing this this person in this situation is wrong, but I'm also contracepting. I'm a, I've also gotten an abortion. Like they can't they can't reconcile those things. And so it either means you have to warp what justice is and change it and rationalize it for your own means or just ignore that part of it and never really look at that dark place because you don't want to or just hyper-focus on the thing that you know is is not justice, right? Like that's really the option. It's like, we know that these police doing this thing is not justice. Well, what about all these other things? I know for a fact that this isn't justice, so it doesn't matter if there's not justice anywhere else. I know about this one. Yeah. And so like that's why people get so excited about this because it's a clear-cut thing. Of, like I know that was wrong. I know that was wrong, and that yeah, excites people. he didn't people. do anything wrong. And the police officer killed him. Like that that's such right. a clear Right. So injustice. that's why you have people marching through the streets. Well, that's why you have people getting so aggressive. It's because they're for the first time or one of the first times they're seeing things in succession. Like this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And they want the good, right? People like the people who are running Black Lives Matter want the good in some yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants it. Just the like the means that they're going about it is so distorted. And so, yeah, I think that's the danger of only knowing what a virtue isn't rather than what a virtue is, because it means you have to come face to face with something at some point or you just never do. And you allow that warped version of the virtue to continue to perpetuate through the culture. I want to I want to I want to recap real quick, because I think I think I, I presented a problem and then we kind of come we're coming closer to a solution. Sorry. No, 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 we're coming. We're, okay, good, no, good, we're, good. We a, no, I like good, solving problems. Yeah, so that's what we like to do here on the podcast. So the, uh, the the problem that I see is that centralization of power. We don't, even the people that, even the people that, like, I like to believe that we and, and Catholics like us are living in such a way that we are living a life that values human dignity. We're living in such a way where we know that formation of virtue is possible, but there's an issue, is that in order to help the culture move away from a culture of death which is like a talking point but it's a fair one the way we help move the culture away is by is by teaching them how to teach each other to be virtuous but we don't have the we don't have the vocabulary to talk to someone about what pure human not theological this is all philosophy what like human reason can tell us what justice is we don't even have the vocabulary to talk about it all we talk about is well natural law and original sin and <clears throat> these are all theological concepts which are true but we don't know how to talk to people who are heathens uh-huh. right just in general right not an insult, they're still beloved. But anyway, and I think you touched on a really important point. Yeah, is yeah. that we if we we can't talk in in terms about what justice is, we at least know we can talk about what injustice is. And so we should we should have these conversations of like, well, if we don't agree on what justice is, let's agree on what injustice. Well, let's agree on what's unjust, and then let's agree on several different things that are unjust. This is you having a conversation with someone who doesn't believe doesn't agree with you on what's just. 
let's agree on what justice, what injustice is, and then let's find common themes through it. Killing an innocent person, like pri- like killing an innocent person for your own gain is unjust. Condemning an innocent person to death when you know they're innocent out on a jury, that's unjust. Killing an unarmed black person who's done nothing wrong purely because of their race, unjust. What are all of these themes? What what's 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 all what's common to all of these cases? And I think the answer is that they violate that individual's human dignity. And this is a conversation that I had on Facebook of all places a while back with someone that I knew from high school. It was in high school, Patrick, you got to stop getting on Facebook. Well, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> and when you when you do get on Facebook, you got to go to the Crunch Patrons page, patreoncom slash crunch to get added to our Facebook Patreon page. Facebook page, and then Facebook and then, uh, and then <laughs> download the download the newsfeed Eradicator so that you only go to the Patreon Facebook page. Anyway, so I was having a conversation years ago with someone that I knew from high school on Facebook. And I was talking about, I forget what I was talking about with like, I think we were talking about why Catholics don't believe in sex before marriage, right? Or, or we were, she was talking, she was one I of mean, those people. I mean, we believe who, in it. We believe it we, exists. We believe that it happens, right? <laughs> uh, I think she may have been, she may have been talking about, we may have been talking about sex before marriage or we may have been talking about sex work or something like that. Mm. And she was like, yeah, do you got to have legal sex work? You know, sex workers, sex work is important. Anyway. And so I, uh, I said that it violates their dignity. It's they're they're violating their own dignity, and she's like, "Well, how how dare you, human? You can't take away someone's dignity." What? I was like, "Well, no, yeah, you can't. If you could, then she could just remove her human dignity, violate it, and then pick it back up again." Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, and so I was trying to have a conversation with her, but we were talking on two completely different planes. Yeah, she saw something as human dignity is inherent, and you could never do anything to violate it. Everything you do is within human dignity but Hmm. that's the thing is that we can think of things that are not yeah and so we should we should come up with a we should come up with what's common to those things and i think any of those things you can then immediately apply to abortion as being unjust act and then like clearly speaking was talking about this in in one of their episodes about Mm -hmm. how abortion is just the most poisonous fruit of an already poisonous tree it's a even if we cut that fruit off there's so many others and the roots just go so deep and i think this is the root is a lack of of agreement on what human dignity is and how it operates And i think that's the conversation we need to start having with people that aren't catholic you know who had that conversation who's that john paul ii (laughs) this was his whole this was his whole pontificate you know love him or hate him george weigel you know, wrote about it in Witness to Hope, the biography, mm-hmm. Joe, Pope John Paul, Joe Panjal II. Yeah. Um, but he saw all of this stuff fomenting in the 20th century, right? Mm-hmm. He saw this happening in Poland when the Nazis came in. He saw it afterwards when Russia came in also to Poland, right? And when he was a bishop and a cardinal fighting against the the Soviets, right? Like, he knew what the these attacks on human human dignity looked like when taken to their extremes. Um, people getting sent to concentration camps, priests getting killed in the middle of the night, people getting beat up on the way, freedoms being restricted. You can't go out of your house. You can't worship. Like all these things. Like we think you're describing 2020. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> the coronavirus is is impinging on my human dignity by making it so that I can't go bowling when I would like to go bowling. 
that's very on brand. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I think recognizing that we are not the first society or the first culture to endure this and looking back and seeing like, okay, Poland, obviously like something good happened there because the whole country is consecrated to the sacred heart of Jesus and abortion is illegal. Now there are people there who are protesting who'd have been and have been protesting abortion being illegal. I think it's except for the cases of rape and incest and in the life of the mother, like those are the, that's it. But everything else, it's just, it's illegal, which is crazy. Um, and there's lots of protests right now, but like thinking about like, okay, what happened there? I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, but it's possible in a rich country in 2020 to get to that place. But again, I don't know how many other routes are laid there. I don't know I don't if we know. can classify Poland as a rich country. It's richer than others. That's fair. It's in Europe. Mm-hmm. Eastern Europe. So, I mean, who knows? They you know what I'm trying to say, though? Us. You know what I'm getting at? I'm being tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Yeah, me too. I don't know what I'm saying. I got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, every time I talk about politics. But this, is, really this is. is one of my missions in life. It's a recent mission. I came up. I came. I came to this. I came to this conclusion a while Today ago. Today on your trying, walk. Yeah, I've been taking daily walks, man. Oh yeah, they're great. Oh yeah. Is I want. I want the idea of of political discussion to be something more fruitful, and I think that party and the left right dichotomy and modern, and by modern I mean modernism, modern political structures are just kind of ruining political discussion. Hmm. And they're not allowing people to, they're not actually allowing free speech because you you can't, you can't talk about, you can't, whatever you do, you can't question the system, you know? Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, I don't think, I don't think we realize how difficult it actually is to be virtuous in a democracy. You know, because the burden of ruling is on everybody instead of just one dude who might yeah. be a good person or not. Kind of. And I think, and I think, yeah, well, in, in a, indirect, in an indirect way. In a, yeah. yeah. I don't think we realize how um, we are now put in a position where we can sin if we vote in our best interest and not in the best interest of the common good. Mm-hmm. If we vote, if we vote to lower our taxes, knowing that it will lead to people not eating, we are, we might be sinning. I think we are. Yeah, like if we're if we're saying like I don't care as long as I don't have to spend as much money, that's you know like even the way that we vote could be a sin because we're 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 legislating in a sense we're saying I I'm assenting to this for this and that reason. Now I think I think voting has more to do. I think intention comes into play more when you're voting, but that's the thing we don't even know what intention means because like you know there's there's this uh, in there's this there's this like thought experiment with intention where it's like well i'm voting for this candidate even though they support abortion but i'm not voting for them because they support abortion analogously it's like well i'm holding my i'm holding this ladder for my boss that's all that i'm doing i'm not holding it because he's going to go rob someone he Mm. just happens to be doing that but i'm holding the ladder for him right you know like your intention you're directing your soul towards one end but one is more one i would say is moral and one isn't so like we don't even we don't even understand what intention actually is so i'm sorry that that was that was a that was a that was a, a on purpose confusing our listeners think about put that one in your noggin for a couple of hours i am i, I am big confused but uh, 
Human dignity, baby. I think it's good. I think human dignity. Human dignity, babies. Human dignity, babies. This is my baby, human dignity. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. I think this is, these are good things to talk about. I think it's a good entry-level conversation for anybody. Like, you don't have to be an expert theologian to be able to have a conversation with somebody who's maybe not Christian to say, what does it mean for the human person to have dignity? Like, what what does that mean? And that's where we can start having those conversations. I think that's a really good, a good practical takeaway on this week's podcast of Every Knee Shall Bow. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You want to you wanna get some uh, doctorate and dating corners going? I would love. Please don't tell me it's a high schooler this week. I would love it if it was uh, not a high schooler. Uh, I don't know. All right. High schoolers, keep sending us your content. We love it. All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Hello, my name is Not Applicable, and I'm contacting you via your website. I think that's just a, I think that's just a, a given subject that's like auto generated. Really, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> she put her email as no thank you at gmail dot com, but she put her phone number, so we should call her. Uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, Patrick's married. What's up? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Obviously, um, everybody knows. Everybody knows that content. Luke isn't his real name, and I didn't provide mine because I would rather it not be said. Thank you, guys. I love the pod and appreciate all the good work you put into it. Hello, Patrick and Dr. Ethan. I've got a dating question for you. My boyfriend, Luke, and I are sophomores in college. Yeah. And we've been dating for a little over eight months. Okay. Things have been going very well for the two of us, but there's a little problem. Mm. A lot of girls at our Newman Center have a crush on Luke. Okay. I have a crush on him, too, obviously, so I don't blame them. That's cute. They're nice girls, and my school, <laughs> and my school, <laughs> and in college in general, I guess. There are not many good practicing Catholic guys as there are girls, so I understand options are a bit limited. However, I've had multiple friends approach me and tell me how some of these girls talk about him and flirt with him, and they even do it in front of me. It's not subtle, and they know we're dating. He doesn't flirt back or do anything inappropriate, but I think he's a little flattered by the attention, and he doesn't really put a stop to it. I don't like drama of any kind. And I was just trying to assume the best when I first saw it happening and had people telling me about it, but it's becoming a bit of a problem. I used to be good friends with some of these girls, and now they're rude to me and exceptionally friendly with him. It's gotten to the point where it's awkward for me to talk to them or really spend time at the Newman Center. I don't want to avoid going to the church on campus and don't think I should have to. I also don't want to break up with them. But I think if I did, these girls would treat me better and could fight over him more openly without me being involved. What do you think, doctor? What? This is, this is a silly problem. Uh, sorry. Let me affirm you. You're doing a great job. I'm. Wait, hold uh, on. I wonder if her email actually is the one that I said, and we should probably ooh, bleep out her email. I really don't think that she is the one that got no thanks at gmail dot com. I think <laughs> I think somebody else probably scooped that up twelve years ago. Uh, <laughs> cool. Hey, listen. Premise one: If you really like this guy, don't break up with him just so you can get along with the other girls at the Newman Center better. Like that's a silly reason to break up with somebody. You should break up with somebody if you think that you're unable to discern the vocation of marriage together. If you don't think that you would marry them, if you don't like them, uh, if they don't like you, like those those are reasons to to not date somebody. Uh, 
this, all of these things are not a reason to not date somebody. What you need is a little dose of what I like to call communication, baby. Communication, baby. <laughs> I think go. you got to start. You can't start with the Even girls. Even I didn't see that one coming. I know. You can't start with the girls. You got to start with Luke. You got to go to him and be like, listen, I've noticed that when these girls flirt with you, you really enjoy the attention. Is this just because you're a guy and this is how your monkey brain works? Or is this because you actually <laughs> like them? And like, do we need to have a conversation about it? But like, yeah. don't come in accusing him. Be like, you like these girls. And they like, don't do that. But just be like, hey, I've noticed this. It bothers me. Can we do something about it together as a couple? Wow. Great. So then you have the, com- the conversation with Luke. Right. And then you go to the girls. And now is the time where you can start throwing accusations out wild, right? Because you are solid in your relationship. You haven't broken up with him. You have a good relationship. And now you can just start launching arrows from your turret and be like, you're flirting with my boyfriend. You're trying to take my boyfriend away from me. All of you people are evil. And just break off all of them. All the relationships, all the friendships. Cause a rift in the Catholic community. Start a Twitter account. It, it could be a huge thing if you start want to start a Twitter war. Start have Twitter your youth war. minister come in to break it up. That happened in my high school passive, youth ministry. Aggressive, it was crazy. Instagram stories, passive, aggressive. Instagram stories, passive. That's what the kids are doing these days. Yeah, make a TikTok. Oh my gosh, make a t- <laughs> Pat, Patrick's doing. You're doing <laughs> just a little like a little like a little like TikTok a little, dance. Uh, like, uh, stop flirting with my, my boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, as, as a, as a, as a boy with a monkey brain and I, I, I used to have a monkey brain before I got married and now I don't have a monkey brain anymore. Yes. That's how it works. Sacramental yes. grace, baby. Look it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he already knows that he's doing something wrong. Yes. He already understands that he's being unchaste emotionally. Correct. And if you call him out on it, all of those things, sometimes what needs to happen is there needs to be an, like. There's a there's an instance where it becomes obnoxiously clear to him that it's wrong because he he's already made some uh, some concessions, some he's already bargained a little bit with this temptation. I'm not saying that he's like tempted to like, you know, go cheat on you, but this temptation to, you know, he he's looking for attention because he's a broken person who wants to be loved. So he he's already made concessions to find what to go and achieve what he thinks is a good thing. And he knows that he's doing it. But it's not in like his, his smart person brain. It's in his monkey brain. Yeah. And so there needs to be something that's abundantly clear. I had this happen once to me where I was like, oh, oh, this is this is definitely something that I shouldn't be doing. I definitely shouldn't be hanging out with this person. I'm going to put a stop to this. But it, looking back, it's like I knew the whole time. I just wasn't I just didn't want to be I just didn't want to admit it to myself because then I would have to admit that I was a bad person. Yeah. The, or at least acting is, like a bad person. This say. is something I was talking to a priest and he's That's always like, a good thing to do. Yeah. Well, and, and they were talking about like relationships and marriage and priesthood. It's like, no matter what vocation you're in, unless you're like a cloistered, you know, nun or brother, um, you're going to meet somebody else other than your significant other, other than the church that you're going to be attracted to that you might even fall in love with. Like, in a, in quote unquote in love with right like you might love them you know um, it like, happened to Father Elijah it okay. happened to Father Elijah so it could happen to you this is not to say that like you should intentionally nurture those feelings but it's not something that you should be like oh my gosh I'm 
I'm so broken. Like I, I can't believe that I, I like somebody. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, right. Humans like, by are, saying you can't believe it, that's right. you're you're being prideful. Right, like humans saying, are designed to to like each other. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is like for better or for worse. Right. So it's like okay, you've committed to a relationship with this person. If attractions come up, don't squash the attractions because that's unhealthy. But just acknowledge them. Offer them up to God and be like, and if there's needs to be a conversation with your significant other about like, hey, I entertain these attractions and I'm sorry, you know, like that's, that's helpful, right? That's really good because then you can acknowledge it and work on it together and be like, okay, maybe that means that I'm lacking somewhere else in my life and it's just manifesting here. And that's not anybody's fault. We're all growing. We're all, we're all concupiscent, you know, like this is, this is just what it's all about. What I would like to see. We're a cornucopia of concupiscence, that's, which is what those two words remind me of each other. That's pretty good. What I would like to see is Luke needs to go and just tell these women like, hey, stop flirting with me. I know what you're doing. I have a girlfriend. And then what needs to happen is they're going to be like, okay, we can be friends. Please stop it. And they're going to hug. And then you're going to walk in and see them hugging. And you're going to be like, no way. He's cheating on me. And then he's going to be like, no, it's not what it looks like. And then it's and gonna, then you're going to be like, don't even say it. And then it's going to take even speak to me again. The whole rest of the third act for you guys to reconcile. Yeah, it's going to take the rest of the 30 minute episode for yes. you guys to come back together. And he's going to have two dates to the prom and you're mm-hmm. going to put a red line of tape across the floor and you're going to be self-referential because this is actually an episode of community. Yes. And uh, yeah. So Man, I, love, I love community. It's I know so you do. Good. It's such a funny show. That's what I think. I'm sorry that this is happening, but also this is what happens in relationships. It sounds like you're approaching this very maturely. I mean, I know. sophomore in college, I know, it's pretty impressive where you're like, I get it. There's not a lot of guys. I just happen to be really good at, you know, you're, getting a good guy. Yeah, you're very mature writing into a podcast to get relationship advice. Come on, Patrick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you, have a, you have a PhD in dating, okay? You have a philosophy of dating. I have a, I have a podca- podcast H degree in dating. <laughs> Well, the H stands for hot takes. That's what it stands for. And the W stands for waifu. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Thank you. Alrighty. That's what we call an inclusio. That's a callback. You start off the pod with a joke and you end it with another joke. Inclusio sounds like a journal that Hansers von Balthasar wrote in, in the 20th century. It is a theological term that I just pulled and I'm put sure in this you podcast. Did. Yes. Wait, well done. So you can support us on Patreon, so you can uh, go to patreon.com slash the crunch, so you can hear tons of theologically based puns and comedy right here on the Crunch Catholic Podcast, the only podcast that uh, I can't think of a bit either. I'm sorry. You know, it was a tough week for bits, but that's all right. It was. We'll come back next Dude, week. Dude, we got, we got some, we got some, shout out to my, shout out to my dad who painted signs for a living and is going to design a sick hoodie for, or sorry, a sick crew neck sweatshirt for us to release just in time. For Christmas, it's not going to be in time for Christmas. You can, can we please get it out in time for Christmas, please? I mean, it's I'm like okay, you know, shipping at Christmas is like horrible. Right? I do, but I want people to order it. And don't give worry, somebody, it'll still be cold when you get the hoodie. Give somebody a receipt be, that says, "Hey, I yeah. bought this for you." It's not going to get here till February. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be. It's going to look great. It's going to be awesome. Go to the uh, go to thecrunchcast.com to check out. Our six shirts uh, designed by friend of the pod, Jillian. Shout out, Jillian. And I'm saying that because I wanted to know that I haven't forgotten her and we are going to pay her for the design of the shirts. <laughs> yeah, you should probably <laughs> Last time we printed the shirts, we didn't make any money, so we couldn't pay her. I know. It's, we're really good at running a business. 
Yeah, we're better now that we have somebody else running the business for we us. We need to. I need you and Phoebe as the family unit of this podcast to teach me the virtue of business, so that I stop looking <laughs> to large centralized corporations for how to run a business. The virtue of business. <laughs> that was one of that was one of Benjamin Franklin's thirteen virtues was industry. Never do anything. Never be idle. And that's like a very Protestant. Stupid. Yeah. Pro- yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm so- I can't believe we I'm said sorry. the same word at the same time. Hey, no, it's so mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my But bad. it's funny. It's true. I, I hung out with a bunch of Protestant youth pastors and I made a joke about uh, transubstantiation. I was like, I was like, I'll talk your ear off about transubstantiation. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some verses at you. And they were like, LOL. We were like, but like they, were, they were talking about, <laughs> yeah, actually, they, they were talking about how one of their youth ministers is just really gung ho about consubstantiation and always talks about it with his kids. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like, oh, we could talk about consubstantiation. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get all transubstantiation on you. For my flesh is half food and my blood is half drink. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Uh, sweet. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Taking walks is really good for you. <laughs> Cal Newport. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.